We love it. It's been great. It's been amazing. So if you've got any friends or family that live out that way, tell them we got an incredible campus in Mansfield that we'd uh, we'd love to see him at. And Pastor Adam and Miss Jamie are traveling this Sunday. Uh, before you feel too bad about them, they are in Germany, right? And so. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's not a lot of Mexican food in Germany, I hear. And so I don't have a, a big desire to go there, but I'd like to go. I think it'd be kind of cool to see that. And uh, and so Pastor and Miss Jamie are, uh, are in Germany. And uh, Pastor Adam, I think they're there for eight or nine days. And Pastor Adam is ministering, I think, 14 or 15 times in those... Uh, those eight or nine days, so you can feel a little bit bad for them, just a little bit though, but uh, so they're away this Sunday, but we've got Pastor Cohen and Hannah who oversee our, our youth ministry, the Ezekiel Project this Sunday, yes, absolutely, and they are hot and fresh right back from camp, and uh, I, I, I miss camp, but I don't miss uh, the, uh, the nine months of back pain from sleeping on those mattresses that, uh, that we'd experienced, so tell us a little bit about camp, man, you guys had a pretty great experience. Yeah, we had to have our own personal chiropractor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's no, getting adjusted. No, camp was fantastic. It's always fantastic. We always have a great time there. Um, I told first service, I don't normally fear for my life, but when the kids have dodgeballs and they're staring at me with this look of just anger, and, and <laughs> I'm like, well, let's cast that out of you if I survive this. No, but we, we had a great time. It was, whether it was worshiping together in the services or, or the, having the devos where we just got to pray with each other, it was it was powerful, and it wasn't just the, the leaders praying over the students. It was the students praying over the students, and it wasn't just simple prayers. It was, it was, hey, I feel like the Lord's telling you this is what you're called to do. This is what you had people giving each other words and and, and words of wisdom and knowledge. And then, like I told first service, it truly didn't feel like just the end of camp. It felt like the start of something new. That, really, what it felt. That's awesome. It, it and great. Hannah, share a little bit about camp. I mean, we we know what Cohen's going to say, but let, let's hear a little bit from you. <laughs> Yes, camp was just incredible. We had 15 students um, publicly declare their salvation through baptism. That's awesome. And uh, it was just so awesome. Special thanks to our EP leaders and our parent volunteers who kept us all sane and, and safe. And it was just so much fun uh, just instilling purpose in this next generation. That's awesome. And what was the theme of the camp again? Call the theme all in. All in. All in. Going all in for Jesus. That's awesome. What I love about Pastor Cohen and Hannah is that they are constantly. I mean, it's the forefront of what they do, of instilling purpose, calling out, you know, calling out that purpose in their students and, and seeing what God's got for them, praying for them. And so absolutely love uh, what you guys are doing with EP and, and all of those things. So, so excited for that. Hey, you guys should be proud of your youth pastors and, and what they're doing. I mean, they got a tough job. I mean, this, this generation is... Uh, it's crazy. Our key scripture is coming out of Ephesians chapter 4, if you're taking notes this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. I think I said Ephesians chapter 4. It's Ephesians 1, verse 4. And it reads like this. It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Uh, I, I love how, how it goes into that, how each and every one of us, no matter your age, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've walked through, that we can come back to this and know this, that not only did he create you, form and fashion you in your mother's womb, but he actually chose you. He actually picked you. He desires you. He wants to know you, right? And he did that before the foundation of the earth. He, he did that. He picked you. He called you. He chose you before that. So if you're alive today, there's a, there's a beating in your chest, there's breath in your lungs, then there's a purpose for God on your life. You're not an accident. You're not just a byproduct of a one-night stand. You're not just something that happened. There is a plan and a purpose 
on your life ordained by God for you. And so for your young people as well. And I, I love how that, how that reads. And so we, you guys are ministering to one of the most, uh, uh, I think one of the, the best and the most gifted generations out there, Generation Z, right? Gen Z. We don't care about the millennials anymore. The millennials are still trying to pay off school debt, find a place to live. They're trying to get a job. Like, so the millennials are like, ah, no more, man. We don't, we don't care. But it's all about Gen Z now. And to give you a little bit, uh, just kind of background on Gen Z and, and what they are and, and who they're called to be, there's just some names on which they are being called. Gen Z is being called the digital natives. The digital natives. These kids are being born with, with iPads in hand. I, I believe most of the ladies getting pregnant here uh, have Wi-Fi, LTE, right in the belly, in the womb, right? These kids are, are, are connected. They know, right? And so it's crazy. But, but these kids, I mean, we have problems with our iPads. I give them to my 10-year-old son. I'm like, son, fix this. I don't know what's going on. Like, please. And I don't feel like I'm that, that detached from it. He's like, oh, dad, you do this, that, and the other, right? And I'm like, son, you've been on me doing that for good, right? And so it's like, this is crazy. I don't even know what you did. But we see these things happening. They were called the digital natives. I mean, they, they know technology. They know the digital world. That's where they are. We also see them called this, the global generation. The global generation. They call them this for the ease to communicate with people across the globe. Now, never in the history of mankind have we seen such access to people across the globe like we see now. With, with the click of a button, with, with your, your thumbs rolling across a, a, a screen, you're able to send a message that can go across the globe. We also see them called this, the culture creators. That this generation is not, is not really satisfied with what's been laid before them, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to create something that we like. We're going to design something that we want. And so we see them being called the culture creators. And the last one we see is, uh, is what Cohen prefers to go by, is the, uh, the swag yeet lit fam gen, right? That's, that's, what, that's, um, that's actually Cohen's. He wrote that one in there. He's like, that's what I am, Pastor Jonathan. I, I am that. And so uh, the Swag Yeet Lit Fam Gen, that is Cohen, that is Pastor Cohen and Hannah, that, that is where they come from. But we see that, that this is one of the most gifted generations to come. I mean, we see that they are the, the most well-informed, the most informative, and more educated than any other generation before them. I believe that they are a dangerous generation. I believe that there's such a call on their lives that we will be able to see a digital revival go around the globe. Not like it's been similar to what the Gutenberg Press did and how it changed the access to the gospel that we'll see a generation ignite you know, you know, data lines and LTE lines and fiber optic cable for the gospel. That we'll see it spread faster and further than we've ever seen before. But I also believe that we're dealing with one of the most confused generations of all times. I mean, with things that used to be absolutes, things that, that, were, that were unwaverables, things that you could come back and say, that is a baseline for what life is being established as, is being deconstructed, is being torn down, is being rethought, and now we've got the most confused generation of all time, in my opinion. The definition of confused is this right here. It is disoriented with regard to one's sense of time, place, or identity. And as we begin to see this generation becoming increasingly confused, as everybody with an internet connection has become an expert. Anybody with a following more of 30 people is now an expert in an area. We see that all of these things are coming. Whatever thought that you would have, whatever idea you want to follow, there's a group of people that will come back, affirm you in that, and say that's the way to go. I believe that because of an increase of confusion, we're seeing a loss of identity in these young people. 
And they're looking for it, they're seeking it out, and they're finding it in other places instead of finding it where they need to be in the church. And so I'm so thankful for Pastor Cohen and Hannah who have taken up the mantle and say, we are going to lead the next generation into the things of God. We're going to train them in the things of God. We're going to lead them in the things of God. We're going we're to dive into the uncomfortable and all of these things. And so I want to ask, you know, as we have a conversation this morning, I want to ask and challenge each and every one of you guys this. Pray for them. Pray for them. It's easy to be an armchair quarterback and say this is what you should do and that's what you need to do And I love listening. I'm not a Cowboys fan and I love listening to 105.3 on a Monday morning after the Cowboys have lost Because everybody calls in and they know what Dak Prescott should do and they know what Ezekiel Elliott should do But bro, you couldn't run to the refrigerator grab a drink and come back to yourself without being out of breath seeing spots And it's crazy that everybody becomes an expert and, it's, and everybody loves to armchair quarterback what these young people get to do and how they get to pastor and how they get to minister. But they're in the thick of it. They're in the middle of what's going on. And so I challenge you, pray for them. Pray for them. That the Lord would give them wisdom, discernment, and understanding. As they lead, I believe what's happening is a digital revival. As they're going to be on the forefront of that. So Pastor Cohen, share a little bit of kind of what we're seeing here in this generation and, and, and where we're being led. Yeah, beautifully well said. Now hang on, let me first clarify. Your students are real good at shouting back to me on Wednesdays. <laughs> so I'm going to need a little bit of help here. Y'all know what I mean? So when I, as I continue to talk, something, something hits, the whole, you know, hits you with the Holy Spirit. You don't be afraid to, sh to shout it out. You know what I mean? Because you your students are good at it. So I want to make sure y'all know that. Anyway, no, but yeah, hey, that's, I'm going to be honest. Our, the young people, they combat a lot. Our, the younger generation has to navigate so much. And I only, gra you know, I, I, I didn't graduate too long ago, but, but they're going through is not the same thing I went through, and I, I you know, I'm only graduated, you know, six years ago, but the biggest thing I see them having to navigate is sexual identity. For the longest time, uh, sexual, you know, sexual identity has always been how God created it, and as, as he had said, he had said Mark chapter 10, verse 6, it says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's what has always been, that, that has been God's uh, definition of of identity, and unfortunately, because of this this concept of gender being a social construct and, and sex being biological, but uh, but but gender being completely different, and so as a result, uh, my pronouns have to be affirmed. And if you don't affirm my pronouns, then then you don't love me, you 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 hate me, you're a bigot, you're all this. What as a result, what we've got is all this abundance of, of emotion and and lack of education, really, or too much education. That's not correct. A lot. It's not correct. And so, like you said, there's confusion. There's confusion everywhere. I mean, according, I mean, according to Mayo Clinic, most categorize their gender by age three. I, I told the first service this. When I was three, I didn't get to pick whether I watched Barney or Sesame Street or JJ the Jet Plane. I didn't get to pick yeah. that. But now the expectation to pick, some, to pick something that, according to them, is a social construct that is going to affect the rest of my life. So you're saying the Mayo Clinic is, is saying they suggest allowing yes. kids to navigate their own sexuality, their, their own gender preference until the age of three? Yeah, yes, wow. by, by the age of three, which is not, that, that's, it's, it's not right, plain and simple. Yeah. And, and again, I think we as the church need to, to un continue to unconditionally love young people who are navigating this confusion that they're constantly bombarded with, but that's just it. We gotta help them navigate that. Yep. We gotta help them navigate the, this, this confusion, love them unconditionally, but show them hey, just because you in the moment feel like you are something outside of how God made you is not. 
Yeah, I love how you say that because it's not negating the fact that they're feeling that. Right. It's, it's not negating the fact. You are feeling it. I get that. But let me help, help you navigate through that. Let me help exactly. you figure out and bring back balance to what that is. That's, that's fantastic. Perfectly well said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was reading um, the other day in an article that, uh, that six states in the United States allow you to select, uh, to list your, your child's gender as simply X. As, as you know, it's still being figured out. And then that people that are raising gender-neutral babies are raising babies. They're, they're able, they're, they're just calling them with babies, and, and, and it's, it's this thing that's going. Well, once was something that was a, a, a foundational, you know, black and white kind of principle thing is now being deconstructed and just kind of well, whatever you want it to be. Exactly. Well, it's taking what God has clearly defined and saying, no, that's not true because I don't feel that way. Yeah. It's saying, I don't... I, Truth should be subjective, so therefore, this is how I feel. So, and, and we acknowledge again, we acknowledge the feeling, but that's not what God says. That's yeah, not I, what absolutely. Says. We're gonna always point you to truth. Yes, always gonna point you to truth. I yeah. would rather offend you and tell you the truth than lie to you than lie to you and make you feel. Absolutely. Yeah. Come on. What What other areas are, are we seeing? That's real good. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> what other What other areas are we seeing? You know, these kids kind of you know struggling and, and confused in. Yeah, yeah, some other factors are politics, you know. But these kids aren't old enough to vote yet, <laughs> right? So like. No, I know, and you'd think that the main argument would be between adults, but my gosh, y'all don't even know how much it affects your children and this upcoming generation. How they, I mean, they are inundated with information through social media, the news, and there's, you know, all these big topics like the COVID vaccine whether it's good or bad, the abortion rights discussion, um, you know, political parties where it's, it's now like 100% one side is right and 100% one side is wrong. I mean, I know whenever I was in middle school, high school, like Cohen said, we graduated high school six years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. But even since then, it's shifted so much. And, you know, as young as elementary school students are being inundated with these really heavy topics, and that kind of bleeds into social issues. Yep. Uh, so there's a common theme where if you don't fully agree with someone, oh, well, then that must mean you hate them. So I'll break that down for me a little bit. Let, let's talk about that. So you're saying if, if, I, if you believe something, right, I like you, I, I love you, we, we are in relationship together, but you begin to then subscribe to something that you're believing in, and I'm like, hey, man, I don't see it that way. That means I'm 100% against you. Is that, is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Either that or you're called phobic of some, like, loving someone in today's world means that you believe and support everything that they do. Wow. That's a, that's a crazy place to be. Yeah. Because there's been a lot of decisions that I'm like, oh, that was a dumb decision. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, and I got to sit there and be like, wow, or, or else I'm called something else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really sad that we don't have the freedom to respectfully disagree with people used to and it's gotten to the place where the world ridicules someone if they don't have the latest popular belief and the enemy is using these issues that can get so complicated he's using these issues to not only confuse but to divide this generation z yeah. because he knows that they are one of the strongest generations that this world has ever seen yeah. So if he can divide them, then that means that they won't be as impactful. For sure. Yeah, you know, we also see that, um, that, that the increase of confusion, 
right? I mean, all of these things are, are things that used to be, I mean, it was pretty stable. That this, this increase of confusion, what we're seeing that really the, the destruction or the deconstruction of a foundational thing that used to be, right? Where you used to be able to say, hey, man, I, I appreciate you. I love you. We're friends. I don't necessarily agree with that part of your life. But now that makes me an enemy of you when the whole thing I'm trying to do is love you through it. Where we're finding ourselves, you know, being kind of pushed away for not, for, for not 100% subscribing to whatever you're, you're doing, whatever you're believing, to say, man, I love, absolutely love you, but I don't agree with that decision, man, and I'm going to pray with you, I'm going to believe with you, and we're going to work this thing out together to be then and saying, okay, great, well, I want nothing to do with you. It's difficult to navigate through. It's very difficult to navigate through. And we see that because of the increase of confusion, because of what we're seeing, that this, that this generation, Gen Z, which is Gen Now, these are not the future leaders of tomorrow. These are the people who are leading things in schools today. These are the people that are influencing your kids in the classroom, in algebra, at lunch, whatever it may be. These are who your children are interacting with. It's Gen Z. That's where they are at. And so we got to be raising up young men and women who love the Lord, who know what they believe, right, who will love people despite of what they're struggling through, what they believe, and who will minister to them and say, man, I am called by God for this generation for here and now. This is where I'm called to. And we see that because of the increase of confusion, that these people are losing sense of their identity, that Gen Z's identity is literally being under attack. We see in Daniel chapter 1, a very similar thing that begins to happen. In Daniel chapter 1, 62 AD, we see that the Babylonians come in and they, they, they go ahead and they just run over, they defeat Israel. And in Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 3, it begins to kind of lay out what begins to happen with, with the Babylonians and what they begin to do. And we'll read it starting in verse 3, and it reads like this. It says, Then the king ordered Asphenaz. This is after Babylon had defeated Israel. Then he ordered King Asphenaz. He says, a, a chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the, the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Right? It says, Young man without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. The king wanted good-looking guys. The king wanted, wanted smart people. The king wanted the best that Israel had to offer. If in your mind you're building what this person would look like, ooh, handsome, right? Yeah, tall, all right, cool, yeah, well-informed. I'll just go ahead and stop you right now from building in your imagination and just take a look at Cohen, right? Look at Cohen. Handsome, well-informed, right? Yeah. yeah, worthy of the king's service. Yeah, all of these things, right? Yeah, this is him. And so we see that he's got a specific thing that he's going after. And then we'll see this in verse 4, how it reads. It says, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Then the, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So we see here clearly that, that the Babylonians have a plan of what they're going to do. They've already defeated God's chosen people. They've defeated the Israelites, right? They said, well, we're going to take the future of what Israel would be. We're going to take the men, the teenagers, these young men, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to indoctrinate them. We're going to train them in the way of the Babylonians. These young men are the future of what Israel would be, leading households, come on, leading in the military, come on, raising their kids up to love the Lord. That's what these men, that's what their role was to be. And we see the Babylonians target them specifically. We're going after young people. We're going after young people. And we're going to go after them in three different areas. We're going to go after them first in language, 
We're going to teach them how to speak how we speak. How to be accepted the way we talk. When you travel the world and you go out in your exploits and you travel within the Babylonian kingdom, they were going to know that you're a Babylonian based on the way you talk. The second thing they said is we're going to have them go and we're going to teach them the literature of the Babylonians. So basically that was the culture of the Babylonians. That when you go somewhere, you're going to know what you do and why you do it. You're going to be bought into the culture. You're going to think how we think. You're going to do what we would do. You're going to love the culture and everything that you're a part of. And the third thing was is that we're going to change what they ate. We're going to change their appetite. Because if we can change what you eat, we can change what you crave. And what you're craving, what we're feeding, then we own you. Because everything you'll want, everything you'll desire is the very thing that we're putting out. And so the way the Israelites were, were, were all kind of structured was that not only as good Jewish boys, that their, that their food was a part of how they worshiped their God. And if we can further tear this down, then we'll begin to own you. And we see that the Babylonians, very smart in what they would do, is they were taking the best, the brightest that Israel had to offer, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to tear them down, and we're going to build them back up. And I believe this is the very tactic the enemy is using now. This is everything the enemy is using now. And if we understand the enemy's plan, if we understand what the enemy is going to do, then us, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, mentors, whatever it may be, if we know the enemy's plan, then we know how we can begin to stop it. We know where to show up. We know where to send troops. We know where to pray. We know where to minister because we're aware of what the enemy is doing. And Solomon said, there's not a thing new under the sun. And so he, he keeps using the same old schemes and the same old traps and the same old this and the same old that. But if you and I can be, can be alert to what's going on, because we know that this generation is the most dangerous generation that there's ever been for the kingdom, that we know that if we can get this and we can see where the enemy's attacking, we can begin to infuse in prayer in those areas that seem to be coming under attack, then we can see a generation changed and we can see the world shaped by the power of God. And so, Cohen, I want you to dive into a few of these things. And I want to take these, these things down. I, mean, I, want to, I want to break each one of these areas down, uh, how the enemy is using and really kind of working in these areas. And the first one is language. Share a little bit about that. You've got some great insight about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Let me tell you, I think, I think we, we see a culture that tries to use particular keywords that makes our, that takes advantage of young people's I think we see a culture that says, that says, well, hey, are you feeling alone? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling broken? Well, hey, then that must, that must mean that you're not in the right body. That must mean that you, you don't feel affirmed because of your, your pronouns or whatever. And even if every person in the world had a good intention, that's not Satan's intention. Satan's intention is to, is to use that kind of language to take young people away from the Lord. I mean, this word affirmation kind of, kind of, is used nowadays as interchangeable with both love and and uh, compliance, and as I like to say, we got to show compassion, not compliance. Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a clinic in Boston that recently started offering gender affirming hysterectomies. I have never I, I don't see the word affirming and hysterectomy normally belonging in the same sentence. Yeah. But what they're saying is, hey, are you in a vulnerable state? Are you in a, in a in a state of of uh, of feeling confused and such, hey, have this life-altering surgery. That'll make you feel better. Yeah. That's not the case at all. And I feel like this applies to much more than just sexual identity. This applies to mental illness. This applies to, to anxiety and depression. This, this feeling of, oh, you, you're hurting? You're, you're, uh, 
you're, you're vulnerable, hey, here's all these, let me use all these key words of, 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 of affection, of, of, of freedom, be what you want. And that's not at all what scripture says. I mean, what is, I mean, take John chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. It doesn't, this scripture doesn't challenge us to be of the world. It challenges us to be the opposite. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Wow, that's good. <laughs> Dive in a little bit of that pronoun thing for me, man. To ex explain that a little bit to me. Yeah, well, so unfortunately, there, there, this, this generation is being told constantly that uh, many, many people in this generation are told that your, your pronouns are your key part of your identity. And because, again, as it's established, there's this concept that gender is a social construct, your pronouns can be whatever you feel like, right or wrong. I mean, I've seen people become enraged and, and sometimes even, even, even uh, harmful to other, other people, young people, harmful to each other because, quote, their pronouns were wrong. And I'm sitting here thinking, that passion is in the Area. Yeah. Like where where is the where's the identity that the Lord has given you? This identity that's so much better than that. That because at the end of the day, Satan is trying to is trying to use whatever he can to tear you away from God. God's God. If you if you feel like you have to be affirmed with your pronouns, say no. Be affirmed in the Lord. Yeah. Because God loves you so much more than this culture does. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And so, and so one of the, the major things that we see also, man, that uh, Hannah was kind of sharing was that, and you touched on that, if you don't comply, if you don't buy into it, then, then you're fully against it. And you said something that, that we showed compassion. Compassion, not compliance. D dive into that a little bit for me. Yeah, so again, I, unfortunately, I do think that this, this culture believes that, oh, you love me, so you should be accepting everything. And I say, and, and that's, not what it, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Lord loves us, and so therefore he corrects us. My, yeah, it may not feel that way, but man, my dad used to have to discipline me all the time. And I was like, no, you don't love me. And he's like, no, I love you, so I have to correct you. Yeah. You've got to be corrected right now. Yeah. And, and so that, we, we love unconditionally. We validate feelings. We, we, we understand what they're going through, but we also cannot comply with, with what the enemy is telling us. Yeah, bend away from what truth would be. Exactly. Yeah, bend away from the truth. We always point him back to what we know as truth. Because when you don't have truth, yeah. and truth is relative, then all your roads lead to Rome. I mean, it, whatever whatever answer you want, you can find. Yeah. And so the second thing that we begin to see also is um, is how they begin to get them in in their literature, in the culture of of the people, and the culture of the day. Share a little bit about about that and how we begin to see that um, that attack on them, and, and just really that draw that culture has. For these young people kind of leading them away where to begin i mean look there's always been the concept of mob mentality mob mentality has always existed but i believe it's more prevalent now more than ever because the mob just isn't in a room it's behind a screen yeah and i don't believe in blaming the internet for everything but i do truly believe that it has left us vulnerable to at with a few taps of the screen a mob could be could, there could be a group of people that disagree with anything yep. if i try to google something like are birds real well, I could say birds are real. Some of my, you know, my people might get it, get it, right? Yeah, well, I thought birds were real, but there's a mob that doesn't Explain agree. That real good. There's a group of people yeah. who believe that pigeons are, are not real, but they're actually drones. Yes. 
and and spy devices, and then they land on power lines and charge. Yes, right. And so that's kind of. I mean, it's it makes true. sense. Look you it start up. looking, I was like, really, pigeon? I swear that pigeon's been following me around, man. And then it would make sense for a while. Listen, you get in the ads you get on Instagram and Facebook. It's like, hold on, pigeon. What you, what you know, pigeon, right? And right. so. And then that makes me begin to question every time I see a pigeon. I'm yeah, like, I was like, oh man, that's the same one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately, that a mob mentality will always exist. I mean, there was an experiment done in the eighties where they took a group of they took eight people and they brought two pictures and one picture was just a picture of a line, just a line. And then the second picture was a picture of, of about three lines. One line was real tiny, one line was real big, the other line very obviously looked like the line in picture one. And they told this group, hey, pick out which line is correct, but they told seven- Like of, which line matches? Which line matches the first one, exactly. And they, but they told seven people who they called stooges, they said, pick the wrong line on purpose. But the eighth person, they said, answer no. They did this about, 12 times. Of the 12 times, 90 per, 90, or 75% of the time, the one person picked the popular answer rather than the right answer. Wow. And, and, and that was before the internet. Yeah. That was before, that was, that, that was not this generation. And so it's only prevalent now more than ever. So I'd rather be, I'd rather be right with the people than right with facts. Exactly. And with exactly. truth. Exactly. Wow, that's that's crazy. How, how do we begin to, to combat? I mean, because culture's everywhere. I mean, we walk around with a device in our pockets, smarter than the flew, you know, the, the space shuttles back and forth to the moon. I mean, we, we fly, uh, we have these these devices in our pockets that that are connected to everything. I mean, they're listening to stuff, and we're inundated constantly, whether you want it or not, by culture. Yeah. I mean, it's happening everywhere. It's showing up what you should buy, what you should watch, how you should think, how you should vote. I mean, it's all popping up. How in the world do we begin to to kind of you know go against that without our minds being totally consumed with it? Even we find ourselves just being one of the drones that you know flying around charging the birds, our power lines. One of the birds. Well, yeah. well, first let me address the young people. The, the thing that everyone might be saying is the greatest problem, i.e. the internet or your phone, is actually can be your greatest weapon. Absolutely. I mean, you have the ability to influence people from your, from your, at your fingertips. You are an influence, if you guys know what I mean. Let me tell you something. Uh, bro, honestly, you have no idea the impact you can make on somebody just with a post. But because let me tell you, but that also comes from having a biblical worldview, though. You have to make sure you are in the Word, praying daily, navigating uh, what God is telling you to do, so that not only can you defend against what the culture is trying to tell you to do, but then you begin to change the culture. That's what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, and that that's scary. It's scary. Thank you. Yeah, it's scary, but but so is dying on a cross. Yeah. Jesus did. And so we, got, as as young people, we got to be willing to be that. And then, and then for my parents, for my authorities, for my teachers, my, my guardians, hey, walk it out. What do I mean by that? I mean, walk out a biblical worldview. Don't just tell your kids to have a biblical worldview. Walk it out. Represent Christ. And hey, another thing, pray for them. My dad prayed over me every day. Every day he prayed over me. Whether it was in the car, whether it was uh, on my way to a practice, whether it was right after he got done disciplining me. He prayed over me every day. And I, I walked that out because he knew. I always knew that he was praying and he was interceding for me. Yeah. And we gotta be willing to do that. We yeah. gotta be willing to, to, to show the, the, our young people that, hey, we love you, so we're gonna be praying for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Know? In Romans chapter 12, it, it, says, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think we have to be constantly, I mean, like, like you were saying, I mean, parents walking it out, living and showing a biblical worldview, we have to begin to, to show parents, I mean, we have to begin to show our kids what it looks like. So if your kid is being too inundated in something, then it's time to change it to something else. And the way we undo all of the stuff that begins to be put in is to undo it by the reading and the washing and the renewing of your mind through the Word. And when we were in youth ministry, uh, and I'm sure we were talking about it, that, that uh, the question of young people is, well, what's my purpose in life? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what that is, right? And it says that in Romans that as we begin to do that, as we begin to, to rework our brain, right, as we don't conform to the patterns of this world, right, as we do that, then, then and only then will we begin to understand what God's pleasing and perfect will is for us. And as we begin to do that, as we begin to wash out what culture would want us to do and tell us what it would want us to say, right, as we begin to do that, then all the other voices begin to fade and go away. And then the one prominent voice that we have is a voice of the Lord speaking to us and say, son, daughter, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is who I'm calling you to reach. This is where I'm calling you to go. And then we won't be led by culture, but we will be leading culture from that moment on. That's fantastic, man. And, and then, Hannah, tell us a little bit about what it looks like with, um, with our appetite, what we crave. Yes, so your appetite, that's a big factor. Um, so, really, you only crave what you eat. You crave what you put in, right? So, um, an example, I love music. Um, I got to be a part of the worship team this morning, and I loved it. I've, I've always loved music since I was a kid. And, um, you know, have you ever been in that space where you're just like, oh, I just, I just want to be in my feels, and I'm just sad, and I want to listen to sad music? <laughs> I've been there so many times, and so if I feel like, oh, I just want to be sad and alone today, I'll turn on some sad, lonely-sounding music. <laughs> and it kind of, like, starts a pattern, right? I've, I've never heard lonely music. I've heard sad music. It's, like, it's just silence. <laughs> it's just quiet silence. Quiet, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it, it just, it starts a pattern, yeah. you know? Like, once you start feeding that negative emotion, then that's what you crave, yeah. you know, and that's what you produce. Where, on the other hand, if you're like, hey, I'm really not feeling it today, but I'm going to turn on some praise and worship music anyway, and I'm going to give my emotions and my thoughts to the Lord, making that decision starts a good pattern. Yeah. Where you, you start to crave worship and, and praise music. And it's, it's so powerful. Um, I, I love music. But really, that, that concept remains. You crave what you eat. And um, if you're constantly consuming negative and worldly content, like through social media, through the news, whatever, allowing the lies of the enemy into your mind, that's what you'll crave and produce. And uh, going back to the story with Daniel and his men, um, their diet was a major part of how Daniel and his men served the Lord. And the king knew if he could get them to compromise on their diet, then he knew he could get them to compromise in other areas, mm -hmm. right? And so this concept is also supported in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's right. So how do we combat this? We fill ourselves with the word. We, we fill ourselves with worship and praise for God. We surround ourselves with good 
friends and mentors that love Jesus and have a biblical worldview to pour into us. And um, I love that it ties into this story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know that story? Yes, it's, in, it's a few chapters later in Daniel. But, um, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were challenged by the king like, hey, bow down to our golden idol or else you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. They were the only three that said, no, we bow to no other gods but our God, and we will not bow. Even if we have to get thrown in the fiery furnace and the Lord doesn't save us, it doesn't matter. We will not bow. And that's what we're trying to do. We are trying to instill that faith and foundation and confidence in the Lord where we can have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, right? Yeah. We can have a young generation that says, no, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what everyone else is doing. I will not bow to any other gods but my God. Yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, it was so good. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. That was so good how you say you, you'll only crave that which you consume, right? You'll only crave what you eat, and, and so you're so right. I hate kale, right? I don't know if there's any other kale haters in here. I don't like it. It tastes like dirt to me. I've, I've never in my life woken up in the middle of the night and be like, you know what I want right now? I want a cold piece of kale. I haven't found myself, you know, you know, walking the house by cell phone flashlight, sneaking out a piece of kale. Never, never in my life. What I have done, though, is gone to bed and woken up and be like, you know what, I left two cookies out. And there's a little bit of milk left, and we're going to go eat those cookies, right? I don't, I don't ever crave kale. I don't, I, don't, I don't do that. I crave, I love cookies. I like cookies. are good. We got a cookie fans. I love cookies. Yeah. Man, I love tacos. Oh, my gosh. I love tacos, right? I, 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 that's what I crave. I don't ever crave those things, right? And if your kids aren't craving the things of God, right, it's probably because they're not consuming the things of God. And so it, it's crazy, as you said, if we're going to teach our kids to have a biblical worldview, then we have to be living it out, right? And so it's crazy to say, hey, hey son, hey, daughter, you need to be listening to better music, when on the way to school, we're bumping terrible music. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, it's crazy to see, like, hey, son, daughter, you don't need to be so angry. You don't need to be using those words when, when we get in the carpool line and we've already cussed out everybody there. Right? You know what I'm saying? And, and the carpool line, there is some grace there. It's crazy, right? Carpool line, like, brings the worst out in people. I get it. I get it. But we have to be modeling out what it is that we want our kids to be, Right? And if we're going to change what we crave, we have to be then feeding them what we want them to eat. And so we have to begin to change what it is that we consume. That's so good because we will only ever produce what we are, nothing else. You'll only produce what you are. I'm so, so thankful for Cohen and Hannah as they, as they have been just, just um, ministering to, these, to this generation, praying, man, and showing up and being there and answering the tough questions and, and really ministering to what I think is really one of the greatest generations we've ever seen. And there's such a, a, a call on their lives, which means the greater the call, the bigger the attack. And I believe that this generation has come under one of the biggest attacks we have ever seen. And so thank you so much, Cohen and Hannah. Can we give them a hand for being on the front lines of ministry and what they're doing? Come on, guys, let's stand across the sanctuary this morning. City, We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week 
wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.